Hello, welcome, and thank you for listening. You are listening to the audio version of a Zoom chat between the Huddersfield Giants Supporters Association and our guests. The videos are also available to HGSA members via our YouTube channel. We hope you enjoy. Please be aware, this episode may contain explicit language. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the HGSA. Um, we've got Ian Watson with us. We're just going to do a bit of a Q&A. Um, so how it all work, Ian, is we, we've asked the fans for a lot of questions and, and I've, I've kind of collated them into a bit of a, bit of a chat. So if, if you're all right with it, we'll just we'll get on with the questions and, and obviously let you answer them and then, and then we'll move on to the next one sort of thing. Yep. Okay, so uh, obviously you don't need any introduction. The head coach of the Seville Giants, um, trust you well, and you're working hard. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, go on. No, go on. It's all right. Go on. Um, before we get onto the boring stuff, we need to get onto the real serious things. One of the questions we've had is, "What do you like for breakfast?" <laughs> what? what? Um, I didn't have any this morning, actually. <laughs> um, I get up pretty early and do computer work first thing in the morning. Then generally I lose track of time. So then I end up getting up and like went to the gym with my daughter this morning, to be fair, to just refocus a little bit. But generally if I get up, it's normally um, either some kind of sausage or boiled eggs or something like that. So you might have cooked cook man than cereal or something like that then, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. So first question, um, how has the season gone for you in, in your eyes? Bear in mind, we had quite a lot of high expectations. I know we spoke to you at the start of the season. We spoke to um, spoke to Ken, we spoke to Keith and everybody, and there was quite high expectations. Um, how, how has it gone for you so far? Yeah, I'd, I'd say we feel like the season's only just got started probably about eight weeks ago, to be fair. Um, there was a lot of disruption. It's probably been the most disruptive season I, I've ever I've ever known, to be honest with you. I mean, in my second year at Salford, I think we got to a semi, we got to the semi-final of the Challenge Cup and finished fourth. And just after that game, we lost um, ten players um, through kind of serious injury till the end of the year. So we didn't perform too well in the playoffs then. And this year was probably well, it was definitely worse than that in the amount of. We had 13 players long-term injuries um, halfway through this um, as we were getting towards the Exiles game. Um, I'd say that was probably the worst period. So every time we just started to get a foothold or get some kind of continuity, something happened. I think if you look at the start of the season, we didn't start with our full strength team in there. If you look where we are now, um, if you look at the numbers, probably um, we'll probably tell you more So than who's playing at this moment in time. So... It was rightly, I was really excited at the start of the year thinking that we could really do something um, with this squad. Um, probably looking into it a little bit more deeply on probably what we'd not done the year before as well with probably a lot of the same group of players. Maybe should have probably tempered that a little bit at that time, but I'd, I don't believe in just participating. I believe in competing to win all the time and you want everybody to have that same attitude and you don't really know what everybody's about until you're actually with them. And I think obviously we found we found out pretty early what some people were like um, in terms of characters, and we've had a few kind of probably issues and fires that were already burning long before kind of we got here that we had to sort out if the future of the club and Huddersfield were going to go forward, um, and to really generate 
a club that competes at the top end of the table. Them issues needed to be sorted out now, not just left and papered over the cracks. And I believe we've we've started to do that with the guys that have been playing just recently and the the effort the effort and the desire that they've played with as well for Huddersfield. That bodes well for us going forward um, with with the quality of people that we'll bring in next year. And you are you able to expand on the issues you've just mentioned about you know ironing out certain issues or is it is it a model in house? Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of them are in house. I think there's obviously a you'd love to explain and um, let everybody kind of know from the outside, but it's probably one of them where you, you don't want to be putting everybody on show um, to the outside world. It's it's issues that you come across. Not not always do you always get on with everybody who you work with. Not everybody has the same ideas. Not everybody has the same beliefs or same levels of desire of what you of what you have or what you want them to have. Um, and they don't potentially lead the way that you want them to, to lead a young group of players that Huddersfield's got a really good young group of players. And it was one of the main reasons um, I wanted to come to Huddersfield because at Salford, you'd, we'd been able to build things, but you could never sustain it. And you need the young lads coming through your system, but you've got to breed them young lads with confidence and, and educate them the right way. And I don't think that was being done, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the private issues from inside, they'll, they'll, stay, they'll stay inside probably more so because those, I've spoken to people who obviously that involves, they know where they stand with that and I know where they stand. So from the outside, um, people obviously see little things going on and don't understand why they're going. And you'd like to probably be more transparent sometimes, but it's just... It's one of them things. Not everybody tells you everything what's going on in their business and you have to probably trust us that we're doing the right things for the club. And I definitely, my number one thing is it's a team first mentality and it's to build a club um, and build a club that competes regularly with the top four teams so that we're always competing for trophies. Huddersfield wasn't set up to do that, even being really blunt about it. It wasn't set up to do with that. I thought it had good a good shot at being able to do that. But like I say, you don't know the individuals until you actually come inside um, the four walls because from the outside, it looks like there's a lot better athletes here than what we'd worked with before, but it's whether they could play as a team collectively and understand what it takes to, to win big games. Uh, that, that, that was missing. Right, fair enough. And that'll take me on to the next question. I've got a question from Joe and he says, when you were at the end of your first full season at the Giants, I know you've touched on bits of it. How far off are we being a consistent Watson-drilled winning team? And which positions do you think need strengthening for next season? Oh, the, the, the biggest one for us is the consistency within your spine. You, you look through all the competition, look at Catalan, you look at St. Ellen's. The one thing that's consistent amongst them all is the spine of the team. Um, last year... And, this year, we've, like I say, I've been really pleased over the last few weeks with Ollie Russell, Will Price, Ollie Ashall, um, all the guys who played in their Pizzi as well as give us that level of experience in there. But it, it's it's tough when you've when you've got twenty one year olds in your pack and you've got young twenty one year olds in your spine trying to learn and play a man's game. It normally takes players around about fifty games to start understanding their role within the team and understand what they're about. Once they get to 100 games, then they generally know what their job's about. And it's for us to kind of develop them. Um, so I'd say our spine's obviously one. 
we need to um, invest in. The forwards was a big one. We needed to invest in that at the start of the season, which wasn't available at the start of the season, to be fair. So we went after quality players who could play in the middle if we needed them to play in the middle, hence Josh Jones and Joe Greenwood. But also they was um, they was looking forward to the future as well, knowing that they would be very, very good for us going forward. Obviously, Luke Yates was a, was a huge one to get because I felt... We, when we played Huddersfield the year before, we played everything through the middle. We sent back everything back underneath all the time because we knew we'd get you um, because that was one of the biggest weaknesses we, we found within Huddersfield. But at the end of the year, we wasn't able to really rectify that area of the of the game. And if your pack's not on, on top, you're not winning many games, to be fair, no matter how good your spine is or your outside backs. I would you say the, the middle's toughened up a bit from, from what you were looking at on the outside? I'd do what, sorry? Would you say the middles have toughened up a bit? You know, you're saying we were soft in the middle, that's why you kept coming yeah. back in the middle. Is that what you're trying to do with us? Yeah, I think if you look at the young lads, how they've stepped up. Um, you look at Trouty, Ollie Wilson, uh, Matty English, people, like it, they've got better. They've got better this year. Um, Owen Trout, I think, has been a big success in coming into the middle. I know he came from Leeds as a little bit of a back rower um, and he's got that beauty that he can play a back rower, but his, his game and the way he plays suits being in the middle and defensively, he's been good in games. They've just not been, they've been naive, to be fair, quite a lot of um, the younger players, but you get that with younger players. It's like I say, it's for us to develop them and keep getting them better and the more games and the experience and they play, they'll understand what they have to do. And like I say, I can't knock any of them young lads who've been in. We, we've been doing it probably really tough, but re really interesting over the last few weeks, um, especially if you go back to the Hull game away and the game when we played Hull at home. We've had like 10 under 22, 22 and under in them um, teams, which is a massive boost for probably Huddersfield in the way that they brought the kids through under Andy Kelly and the, the junior staff. So, yeah, they've, they've got better, but we still need to add a little bit more experience in there to make sure that we are definitely better in that area. Right. So you're looking at, I mean, you're obviously looking at strengthening the squad for next year. Is there any any signings in the pipeline or anything you can tell us about that? Yeah, there's probably, um, probably like I say, we can, there's all these rumours um, all the time kind of going around and we have, we've made some good signings for next year, which will add the right kind of person, the right kind of quality and some of them need to be um, probably let out when the time's right. But probably one I can tell you um, today is Luke Yates has just re-signed for three years with Huddersfield. And I think yeah. you'll say probably most people wouldn't have understood why I signed him at the beginning because everyone looks at him and tells me how small he is and um, he's different than all the other front rowers. But, mate, his heart's massive and... What he want, what he does on and off the field is unbelievable. The way he educates the young players, the way he tries to help them become better, and the way he sets standards in his preparation around the place. That's that's the kind of people that we want in the club, and so that they can show the younger players how you actually go about being a professional. He's an out and out pro, and you can see by his performances, there's no drop off. He's a seven eight out of ten every single week. He's best game and his worst game it's very small the drop off in between him and like I say that's what we're trying to breed into some of the younger players that they've got to be that consistent if we're to be a top four team so that's in training and in playing as well whereas I think well I know beforehand the the training probably wasn't to the levels of where we've kind of 
had them this year, although we've not been able to, ma- to do much training over the last few weeks because it's been so quick a turnaround. So was was that always going to be the case with uh, with ACR? Is it is it due to the rumours that some clubs down under have been sniffing around him? No, yeah, there's been a, there's been quite a few having a little look in because of his performances over the last couple of years and how hard he works. Um, but like I say, he's happy where he is at this moment in time. He knows what we're trying to do, or he knows what what I want to do at Huddersfield, and that was one of the biggest reasons in him coming with me because he wants to be playing in a top four team week in, week out. He wants to be competing for trophies. And I've told him, we, obviously, at the moment, it's a little bit of short-term pain in that to get there. But the way you get there is by building the right environment and it's building it around people like Luke Yates. So the more we can get of that kind of ilk of a player, um, it'll be better for us going forward next year. Yeah, I don't think anybody on, on here or any of our fans will disagree about him being consistent and one of the top performers. Even even in you know fairly bad team performances, he's always he's always up there with a seven or an eight, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Is one of the good things again is Luke's improved this year. He's seen him himself improve again. So at Salford, he was he was regularly knocking out fifty-five tackles a game and working really hard for the team. But then he was probably missing on his carries and his meters. But this year he's been doing like nearly two hundred meters a game and fifty-five tackles with no misses. Um, he cleans a hell of a lot of stuff up. His inside pressures, kick pressures, he's unbelievable. At so, like I say, he's he's the one to set the example and the standards for. Um, all the young lads of what they want to be. And I know he's got people like Matty English and Trouty. He's got them under his wing a little bit. Um, I think they think they wish he left them alone a little bit now and again. But like I say, he's determined to be um, a top four team. And we've got to kind of help the young lads understand what it takes to be a top four team. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Yatesy there. Also, you brought in Josh Jones as well. Who's, who's yeah. also been, you know, he's always played pretty well under you. Um, yeah. Another one of the questions we've got is that, um, they see you talking to him from the sidelines um, and, and do you see him as the sort of player who is proactive with the motivation and somebody will look after the young blokes? And yeah. They mentioned particularly Ollie Russell saying that they've seen Jones congratulating him and, and things like that and telling him not to worry about mistakes. Is that the kind of bloke Jones is? That's that's what you yeah. want? Yeah, he is, mate. He's a, like I say, the, the thing I like about Jones is a very smart kind of rugby player. Um and what he understands is, he understands understands how he was brought through at St. Ellen's. So, like, what he always spoke about is the senior players there always encouraged him and wanted to make him better. And that's the same with his process. It's like, even today, um, I was in the gym today and he turned up with Jack Ashworth. And now, Jack Ashworth's obviously our player, but he's on loan at the moment to league. Well, he develops, obviously, his game and gets a bit more game time underneath him. Um, but Jones is helping him become better as well and like you say with Oliver rustling and around him Jones is Jones is probably one of the best defensive players you'll you'll ever play with and you can see what he does on the attack side of the game as well he's phenomenal at that as well like I say it's getting the right kind of quality players in um, but Jones has always been one of them that I've spoke to from the sideline um, and then he'll send the message through to the team and kind of what we want to do or whether we just need to calm down or what what we need to do on the kind of defensive side of stuff and he makes sure that breeds through to the other players. Yeah, um, so something on a, on a similar line as well from, from Pete Crane. Um, and he says, watching from the sideline, he says sometimes it is noticing you're singling out certain players after certain players and pulling them over to the sideline. Um, and he says, this is usually if they've been involved in a previous play. 
from a managerial perspective, what is what is this for and what type of things are being said? And it seems to be a form of reviewing the player that's just occurred. And, and can you offer some more insight without giving away too many secrets, of course? Yeah, it's, it's just about reading the game. Um, obviously, when I played, I played nine and um, seven. So you were kind of in and amongst it. And I feel more comfortable on the side of the field and being able to read the game because you kind of use always in and amongst it. Um, and then obviously we've got Robbo upstairs as well. He will send us messages as well. From what so from an overview, um, so that works really well for us. But the big one for me is that I like to read the game and feel the speed of the game being down there. And then obviously with the guys being so young at the moment in the spine, we can tip them up or give them little bits of advice which might help them. Or if we see something, what the other defense is doing, like. Um, Last week, we sent a message out. Um, Stefan Ratchford kept sitting in the defensive line on play three. So we kept saying about having a little look at it and being a little bit smart as a spine. But we just we probably weren't experienced enough, really, just to capitalise on that uh, in, in that game. But they're like the certain little things which a young spine probably misses. But when you're more experienced, you see that because... We came down, Warrington came down the other end of the field. Ash Goulding put himself in the defensive line and George Williams kicked on him straight away and they got a repeat set off the back end. Now that's George's experience and his smarts. Like I say, probably we just weren't smart enough in that area on that day. But they're, they're the small margins that make a big difference in a game. So it's about help, trying to help them. Sometimes it's better for us just to keep quiet and not say anything and just let them go with the flow of the game. But sometimes if you can see something happening, it's worth just giving them a little bit of a tip up. But I, I, it's something I've always done is always like try to try to help if, if we can more than anything else. So it's it's probably more more reactive then rather than proactive. You you've seen something the opposition is doing that you need to shut down or you need to need to work on yourselves. So it's it's more that rather than let's do this before they do it to us kind of thing. Yeah, it's like I say, it's re, it's reading the game. I think that's one of the things that you get through experiences. If your spine was all 30 years of age, you, you're probably not having to send too many message out messages out there because they already understand the game. They know what they're looking for. They know what um, scenarios that they're going to be faced with as well, and then they'll react. But when your spine's probably so young, they, they probably just sometimes just need a little bit of tip-up because they play on so much energy and enthusiasm that they just miss some little things now and again. Although I have to say... Um, Will and Ollie, I thought were great the other day, and last time they both played together, which was Wakefield game, um, they were they were outstanding, at getting them their eyes up and playing what was in front of them. Yeah, um, you mentioned Will and Ollie there. Um, I'm just going to move on now to the to the academy to the young lads. You stated when you when you spoke to us before that one of the things that you were excited about joining the Giants was because of the academy. Um, just, I mean, how good is the, in your opinion, how good is the academy set up? I mean, obviously the HGSA have a part to play in that, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. how, how good is it and what, what, what are the things they're doing right? I, I think it's one of the one of the best academies in, around. Andy Kelly's got it really run the right way. So what we're talking about having in the first team as an environment, they've got right, their values and um, trademarks, if you like, are, are really solid. And everybody kind of lives and dies by them um, as an academy player. So then when they come through to the first team, that should already be implemented. But I think there's been a split in the past between that kind of academy to first team, where the first team hasn't been running by the values of what the actual club wants to run by. 
and it's been kind of left on its own. So when the younger lads have been coming through, they've been found it's probably not, it's not the place of where the academy was. It, uh, or it wasn't being run the same in terms of, like I say, the, the values more than anything else in what what the approach, how they approach things and how they get educated in and around it as well. So what we've tried to do is we, we've tried to obviously make sure that we're putting all the values into to the players and we want the players who live by them values to make the club a strong club and it all be one big force as we go forward. Um, but with, with, like I say, for you guys being in, involved in there, what probably is probably a big success, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago to the club, that they needed to make more of a deal of all them young guys who played in the first team. So when we said we had like 10 under-22s playing in there, there's no other Super League team who's got 10 under-22s. You look at Wigan now and they've got like four or five probably playing in their first team and, and they're really struggling. They're struggling to learn how to play. We had 10 and them 10 guys actually stood up and won three games on the bounce there. And I think that's that's a big influx from, from local players. I think out of them 10, there was eight homegrown players, which that should be shouted from the rooftops because what Huddersfield want to do is get them young players coming through and can see that there's a pathway for them young players. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest compliment that can be um, paid to obviously the academy and the academy staff is seeing them at eight guys out there on a weekend performing at a Super League level and winning games. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned about Will. Um, I mean, is it, has he signed a new, has he signed a contract, first team contract? Yeah, well, <laughs> it was funny. Um, I'd probably been in two weeks and I asked if we could get, um, I spoke to Andy Kelly, actually. Um, and then I said there was two players who had heard good things of in the academy, which were Will Price and Fenton Rogers. And I said, I'd like to bring them into the first team environment, if that's possible. Uh, they trained with us. Um, well, they trained all pre-season. But Will ended up um, breaking down because he'd not played for over a year. Um, same as Fenton. They'd not played for over a year and they'd not played against men before. So he broke down in training. But even while he broke down, we spoke to the club and said that you need to sign them up. So Andy Kelly and um, Richard um, got them signed up. Well, got Will signed up. Fenton's still not signed up as yet. Um, Will signed up um, on a two-year deal, so he is signed up for two years, but the club are looking at a way to obviously advance that a little bit more now because of obviously his performances and the way that he's come through. Will spoke to me last week saying he wants to stay here, he loves what we're doing, um, he's enjoying what he's doing as well. We've spoke about a little bit of a progression plan for him going forward as well because probably... He's ended up playing a lot more games this year than potentially would have done. I always did believe, I said in pre-season to Andy Keller, I think he'll play this year um, along with some of the other guys. Um, and that, that's kind of been proven right. But like I say, he's, he's probably surpassed even how many games I thought he would play, to be fair. But that's, that's credit to himself, mate. And again, yeah. the education from the academy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like quite a few of us on here obviously watch Academy every week, and, and we've said for a while that you know Will Will just looks a natural. He's just everything he does. Um, I mean, we don't want to compare him to his dad, obviously, but he has got the traits there, and it just even at that level, it will just. I mean, if you've seen it, he, he class above everybody else on the on the field, on to real, I suppose. When you when you see what he did, yeah, yeah I mean. Do you think the club could have made more? What what you said there about promoting these these lads. Do you yeah, think the club could have done more to, to, to you know, to to make a bit of a fuss over the fact that Will's coming to the side and he's and he's done well and he's signed his contract. He's going to be with us for a while. 
Yeah, to, to, well, to, like I say, they're still speaking to him now to try and make sure that they, they improve that and obviously get him into a better position. So that's probably when they, they will. But the, the big one for me is Will's getting a lot of attention at the moment as well. But for me, you can't overlook the the Sam Hewitts as well, who kind of come in as well and done outstanding this year. Robson Stevens played three games as well. And um, you'll, you'll see them going out to championship clubs. That's because I'm a, a big believer in that's a great grounding school for them. And them young lads, it's no good them just playing against young kids all the time. They need to play against blokes to see whether they can handle that level. Once we saw Robson play at Dewsbury and actually be a handful um, for some of the championship teams, that's when we was really confident in putting Robson on the bench. And I know he didn't get loads of game time, but he's gone back to Dewsbury a better player through being on the bench with us three times. He's actually been a little bit of a standout performer over the last few weeks for Dewsbury. And he's now starting regular for them as well. It's like we sent Fenton to Oldham. Um, Sam Hewitt went to Halifax at the start of the year. It's something that I can big on to make sure that they get them experience so they still play the game. But yeah, Will's getting um, plenty at the moment. But like I say, there's some other good guys in there who've been outstanding this year in terms of like Oliver Russell, um, Sam Hewitt, Ollie Wilson. Trouty, if you look at Trouty, Trouty's only 21 as well, and he's playing in the middle of the field and playing big minutes. And you look at the 21-year-olds who are playing at Wigan, and they're struggling to compete sometimes. So what he, he's had an outstanding season so far. Yeah, and one of the other questions to do with the academy is, is, is who do you see sort of coming up next? You know, who's, who's going to be the next? I mean, you mentioned Fenton I mean, and, and Robson. Are they, are they likely to be in the plans next year? Because there are a couple of big lads, aren't they? They can do some yeah. damage in the middle. Yeah, they are. Um, unfortunately, Fenton's just been banned as well um, for five games as well. Probably, but that's that's why he needs to play at the championship so he can learn what he can do and what he can't do as well and get them experiences. There's a few guys we've just sent Aidan McGowan out on loan to York as well. He's another fullback, um, potentially wing. He's a good kid. Aidan's a great kid. He probably play in most positions for you. If you just asked him to play for Huddersfield, he'd play and if um, he'd play anywhere. And if you look at the start of pre-season, he had a game against Leeds in the pre-season friendly, last 10 minutes at fullback. And then obviously, like I say, Will was injured at that time. And then probably Will's overtaken him. Um, so there's going to be some good competition going forward um, between the young lads to stake, stake a claim in the in the first team next year. And do, do you see Will as a fullback then, or do you, do you plan on keeping him at halfback? Yeah, I think long term, I think Will probably will be more of a fullback. Um, I think he's in the right position at the moment to, to learn and develop. At fullback, you, you've got a hell of a lot of things to do. And I, I know at six you do as well, but the one thing when you're defending as a fullback, you're basically the boss of the uh, defensive line and you need to make sure you're getting your numbers right, you're sending people around, when to react, when to come into the line, where your positioning needs to be on kicks. There's a hell of a lot of stuff. So, Will's probably progression and development may lead to there. Um, if you look at people like Darren Lockyer from years ago, who played one, then they went to six and stuff like that. Will's got the ability that he can play in both them positions, but probably his best position, when, when you talk to Will, Will will probably tell you as well that that's where he did everything at, where he was learning. That's where we were teaching him in the pre-season to be. Um, but he's done a great job at the moment at six. So where where would that see um, Ashton Golden then? Would 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 he still be fullback, or do you plan to use him at nine a bit? Well, the, the good thing is is it's competition for places. To yeah. to to have a top team and to have um, a team that challenges at the top, you need competition for places. It can't just be 
like a, a real top quality player and then be nothing underneath there, be just a young kid kind of coming in from the academy, maybe he's not ready. It, there needs to be kind of a proper competition there for places. So Ashel, Ashel compete. Um, I think you, you'll have seen in the Leeds game, we put him on the wing towards the back end of the game and put Will to fullback as well. Ash's game's moulded in and around the back five. Um, also in playing at hooker for us um, earlier on in the season when we didn't have a nine. I thought he did a great job there as well. So his utility value to us is really important. But I know Ash is really um, confident that he can nail down the number one jersey long term. But like I say, that's the beauty of competition. Yeah. And then on to the next one, where does Oli Ash fit into all that? Yep. Um, like I say, Ollie's somebody who I believe in, Ollie. Um, I had him at Salford for a short period of time and he's got immense potential. Again, he's just not played a lot of Super League games. If, if I told you, I think weekend was probably about his 10th Super, Super League game he's played. Um, and it, he, he was telling me it was his, um, when was it? A couple of weeks ago, it was his first Super League win he'd ever had anyway. Um, and he was over the moon with that. And then he's had a few more wins since then now as well. But again, He's a young lad coming through learning the game, so he needs to keep playing. If we can keep hold of him, like I say, he's not contracted to us next year at this moment in time, but if we can keep hold of him, it puts us in a really, really strong position. Again, he can play in any of your back five position, um, which is important to have in your squad that you've got that utility value around because you look at the amount of injuries that have been in the game this year, it's been worse than any year, to be fair. Um, hopefully, it's not as bad as this um, next year, but there's been a hell of a lot of injuries and people need to uh, turn up and play in some positions maybe they've not played in before. Look at Ash Golding playing at nine. Yeah. Um, so just just on, on the, while we're talking about the academy, if I could just give us a, a plug, Friday night is the next academy game and they're playing Leeds and it's seven o'clock and it's at the um, Lawndale, at the YMCA at Lawndale. And it's a fiver to get in. So if anybody's not doing anything and they fancy coming along, and helping raise a few funds, then seven o'clock at Lawndale. We've got all the details on our Facebook events page, and we'll share it on social media as well. So come along if you if you're not doing anything. Um, I believe the bar will be open. And the bar will be open, yeah. So that's a bonus with it being a Friday night. Thank you, Mr. Waddington. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just on about contracts there, Ian. Um, rumors about players that we're looking to sign for next year. Um, if the rumours are true, and I mean, you know, you're quite, we're quite happy for you to, to scotch them or whatever you want to do. But if the rumours are true, we're going to end up with five possible halfbacks next season. So how does five go into two? <laughs> who, who, who's your five you're, you're leaning to? Um. I think Lala here has been mentioned, Farge has been mentioned. Obviously, we've got Oli Ross, we've got Will Price, and we've got Cogger. I presume they're the five that's been referred to. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, with, with your spine of your team, you need to always probably carry, or the, all the top teams carry four halves of, um, for, for obviously competition reasons and training reasons. They always carry four. If one of them can play in a diff few different positions as well, that obviously helps. It means you potentially don't carry in another area. So if you look at talking about Will before, potential to be able to play fullback. You look at Ollie Russell and even Cogs, they've all played nine before as well. So that gives you a little bit more depth in other areas as well. So 
that's that's where they'd probably all, all fit in. But it's it's all good competition. Like I said, the probably the biggest one to focus on for us was obviously the middles at first and making sure that we get that right kind of quality in the spine and a durable spine, hopefully that fingers crossed, they all keep healthy and they're out there week in and week out. That's how you get a better team and you get that continuity and consistency um, amongst them all. We've got a question as well from Chris, Chris Mason, and he says, we seem to have a lot of spine orientated players. How do you see your spine looking for next year? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I can't, I can't give too much away on that, but um, quality and qual- a quality um, spine will be the, the key thing. Like I say, the, your middles, have, you've got to be able to build momentum, but then you've got to have the spine and the smarts to be able to identify things. And then um, probably if you look at the, the St. Ellen's games, um, when we played St. Ellen's and how tight and close they were, that's kind of, that's playoff football mentality. And that's probably, well, cup final, that's cup final game, what you saw there. And I thought what they were better in the last 15 minutes is was how composed their spine was and how they controlled the game. That that made the difference in them winning them games compared to us. Um, and so that's something that we we want. We want to have them players in the right positions to be able to bring you home so that you're not losing games closely, um, that you're actually making the difference and winning. If you look at the Warrington game at weekend, um, they scored two tries in the first half against the runner play. Daryl Clark, George Williams, Stefan Ratchford, Gareth Widdett were all massive parts of that as well. And, and that's the quality that you get with them guys. You look at probably the, uh, go back to the Salford game and you think about Tua um, and the, the tries he created, the assists he created in that game there. Probably a look at our spine again, being a little bit young in there. Um, you think about the interception pass we threw in that game as well, which obviously turned the turned the game massively just before half time, where every other facet of the game we were dominating field position. We were by far the better team that game, but we just conceded just before half time and then just after half time, which massively hurt us in that game. Yeah, um, I mean on the close games, there's been um, obviously the fans have I've noticed we, we seem to be struggling with goal kickers. Um, obviously, it's an important thing here. Have you got an established goal kicker? Um, or are you looking at bringing an established goal kicker in? Or are you, are you sticking with the likes of Will and Ollie and even Jake Wardle? Yeah, I, well, I think Ollie's been really good. And I know he had a little bit of a slip at the start. So Will took over and then Will nailed them all, to be fair. The good thing is with, with all three of them guys is they're all practising. Like I've said before, with, with the younger lads, and what's been really enjoyable is at the end of training, they're all staying behind um, to get better and they're practicing things and you're getting to spend a little bit more time with them to understand them as kind of people as well and what they're looking at in the game. So while they're that committed and while they keep practicing and learning, you'll always back them to to get there because it's all about repetition. And like I say, Will's a great kicker. Um, Oliver Russell is as well, mate. You watch them in training, they're knocking them over from everywhere. So obviously the pressure of the game is the one you can't replicate, but only in games. And like I say, that's that's an experienced thing in itself of doing that. So at the moment, we're good. Um, players that will come in will be able to kick as well. So like I say, it'll be the, the best man for the job. Right. So you haven't got one particular kicker at the moment who's your number one. It's just whoever's, whoever's happy to do them and, and whoever's nailing them kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think, like I say, they're all perhaps in the moment. At the start of the season, obviously, Aidan Caesar, and then you had people like Gaskell and uh, people like that. Um, Cogs had done a little bit as well. But then, well, Ollie Russell's been in. Ollie Russell's generally been doing it for us as well. Um, like I say, when Ollie's not been there or not firing, then Will Price has stepped up. If none of them two have been in, it's been Jake Wardle. Like I say, they've all got ability and can all do it. It's just them practising all the time. Like I say, when they're practising, you'll always back them to be better. Yeah. Um, if we just talk about some of the injured players, Ian, um, you mentioned about your spine, you mentioned um, OB. Um, yes. Is there any, any updates on him? Uh, is he likely to be to be back this season or, or is he out for the no, season? No, no. Um, OB's probably about nine weeks in now to a 12 to 16 week uh, return to play. So we, we won't see him next year. He's, a, he's had a really tough two years. Like you say, when you when you're talking about your spine being durable and playing lots of games, you want them games, you want them players on the field um, playing because they, they matter to you and they make a big difference to your team. Adam O'Brien's one of them players. You want him out there and you want him playing. Um, but unfortunately, he's had a little bit of bad luck over the last two years. Hopefully, this is the last of it for him and next year he can go on and be flying. So you still see him as an eternal part of your squad then going forward? Yeah. Yeah, Ads is Ads is a great bloke um, and a, a, a good player as well. So yeah, he'll be he'll be important for us going forward. Right, and do you know, um, is it true then the rumours that the um, that the club will get some compensation from the RFL for Caesar getting injured while on international duty? Is that something that would happen? I, I believe so. Yeah, I believe there's some kind of ruling and around that. It'd be pretty harsh to to not do nothing when. Huddersfield were the one team that backed that game fuller. Um, they, they were supposed to be taking three players from the Exiles. They ended up taking five and we ended up having to play a game against Hull when the doctors had more or less more or less ruled it out for us to play in. They didn't think it was right for us to be playing that game and with the amount of players playing in the Exiles game, they probably thought the better option was to call it off. But like I said, we... Probably a longer-term vision. We, we wanted to play. We wanted to play when they cancelled the Wigan game. We wanted the young lads to play. Like I said, it, it, you learn you learn a lot through experience and through playing. And I know it doesn't always mean if you're going to put a young team out that you're going to win there. But like I said, th- this is about building something that we can kind of all get behind and all see where it's kind of going. Um, and the only way we're going to be able to do that and make it a real force is by them guys playing games. Yeah. So in hindsight, would you say twenty-four nil winning the thirty grand fine was was is worth it in the long run, or do, would you not agree with that? No, I don't agree with that. We we should have been allowed to rearrange that. We we were really honest with the the RFL. Um, we didn't have seven COVID people. We had six. We had six COVID, but we had thirteen season more well more or less season ending injuries. So to then penalise us when we'd been really honest with the RFL um, all along. So you, you say you have seven players out of your top 25. We had 19 players out of our top 25 that week and we were still basically forced probably to, to give a game up. I thought, I thought it was really harsh. It wasn't like some of the other ones where you, you hear things about the other clubs and not being able to field a team. We had 19. Um, we, were, we were told basically to put our academy out against a full-strength Castleford team. And there's a duty of care there. For me, if if I'm in charge of Huddersfield and I put a load of academy kids out there and they get hurt and get injured and that ends their career, who's that on? Is that on me or is that on the RFL? 
for me, that's on me because Huddersfield's my club and I want Huddersfield to be a good club going forward. So by putting an academy kid in who wasn't ready to play and probably potentially will get hurt, you look at Castleford put an academy against Salford. Two of them young lads got knocked out badly in that game and then they were calling the Salford players for knocking them out. I think one of them was Paulie Paulie. But when you've got a player like Paulie Paulie running against an academy kid who's potentially not played for two years and never played against men before, it, is it the right thing to do to put him out there? That that'd be my question. So I, I was, I, I'm a little bit um, frustrated with the fact that we, we got a big fine because I don't think we deserve to to get a fine when we'd been really honest with the RFL. I would have liked it to have been rearranged. Yeah, it makes a bit of a mockery of their player welfare thing, doesn't it? If, they, if they're saying, look, you, you can't put first team out, so back up yeah. 10, 12 academy players who only played a couple of days ago. It's just complete fast, isn't it? No, no club's going to do that, are they? No, it, it's not right. It's not right on them young lads as well. And probably, do you know what? If you ask the young lads and said, you've got a chance to play first team here against Castleford, they'd probably all put their hand up and want to play. But like I say, as a head coach, you have a duty of care to look after the young players and to decide whether they're right or not. It's like with Robson. I wouldn't put Robson in that first team until I'd seen him play against Championship because it's just about a progression and seeing him, seeing how he developed. Will, like I say, Will, I, I was really tentative with Will. Um, we put him on the bench and then kind of gave him 20 minutes, I think it was, against um, Catalan. But there was a stern message there to our players that we protected Will when he went out there. And like I say, Will, luckily enough, he was ready. All the work he'd done with the SNCs and the medical team in the pre-season and the season coming through meant he was ready which is great. But like I say, I only introduced him 20 minutes and then again, 20 minutes against Wigan, I think it was. And then that's when I thought, do you know what? He's actually ready. So let's put him in. But again, to do to hold, you, hold your club accountable for when you're saying put all the academy in, that that's, yeah, I think that's dangerous. Yeah. If we, if we go on to, still on injuries, um, moving from the young lads to the old lads, um, Neil Schofield said they fell in disrupted a couple of seasons because of injury. Leroy didn't get a squad number in the start of 17. After getting regular game time and playing well, has he done enough to earn another contract with the club? I, I, I love Leroy. I like Leroy. Leroy is, um, Le, Leroy is one of them who um, is kind of what you, what, what you want within your club. He loves, he loves rugby. He loves playing rugby and he loves playing for Huddersfield. It's been his hometown club um, and he's the kind of person that we need to keep within Huddersfield because they're the people that you build the club around. It's not, it's not other people you build the club around. It's people like Leroy, people like Michael Lawrence. It's them guys that you build the club around and then the true Huddersfield comes through there. So then when everyone walks through the door, they understand what Huddersfield's about because of them guys and then they live and breathe it. And then they, everyone falls into line with what you want and why you want that. And you can see how important it is to people like Leroy and um, Bruno. And like I say, um, for me, yeah, Le Leroy, Leroy, hopefully will be with Huddersfield. He should be with Huddersfield for a long, long, long time, mate. Yeah. And he's also regular at the academy games. So if you forgot, the next academy game is Friday night at Lawndale at seven o'clock and it's five pounds to get in. <laughs> and the bars open. <laughs> and the bars open. Um, yeah, he's also doing his bit, Leroy, for the scholarship. Into is is he is yeah. he involved now with England under 18s? He was he was saying. 
yeah, he got um, selected for. He does a lot. Like I say, he does um, stuff down at the local coaching um, amateur teams as well. Like I say, it, it, that that's that's how you build a club. You build a club around people like that. That they're, they're massively important to you um, and to to your club and to your identity of your club as well. We've got a couple of questions now about players coming coming and going. First of all, the the players we've got out on loan. Um, what's the situation with um, uh, with we say Innes coming back and Oliver Roberts and Seb and people like that? What's what's the situation on that? Yeah, um, Inns hopefully will come back to us. We've offered Inns a contract. Um, Inns again was all about development. We knew when we was bringing Ricky Latelli off, obviously Ricky's had a few injuries this year, that we would have to maybe send one of them out, obviously because of salary cap sport. That's the that's the difficulty with it. But the one good thing with Inns was he was playing at Wakefield and playing most weeks as well. So his development was still continuing from there. Hopefully he comes back to us next year and he's better for all the experiences he's faced. And we, we get a really good player in that where he can start to basically try and push people like Jermaine out of the team and people like that. Um, Oliver Roberts, um, I spoke with Oliver the week. Oliver wants to come back. Um, he's obviously worked with us at um, Salford before. And he says, this is where he wants to be. He wants to play for Huddersfield. So um, I think he's got one year, I think, left on his contract. And then obviously Seb. Um, Seb's off, off contract. But again, I took Seb to, to Salford and He's some, somebody I like and somebody we've been keeping our eye on, somebody I've been speaking to throughout the season as well. So um, we'll see where that one leads. Right, so no no actual firm plans and that they're in your plans for next season? Yeah, like, like I say, at the moment, um, Inns, like I say, it, it's up to Inns. We, we've asked Inns, we want Inns to come back to us, um, but it's a decision for him now, basically, if he sees that he wants to come back and can play at Uddersfield and compete for a first-team spot here. Um, or whether he thinks that his future is probably better somewhere else. Again, Oliver Roberts, he's got he had the same kind of um, question. But if, if he's here, if he decides to come back, he's in our plans. Um, I've no problems with Volley. Um, worked really well with him at Salford, and I think he's got potential to be a really, really good player. I just don't think he's at the heights of what he did um, probably a couple of years ago in the World Cup, and I think he'll even even admit that as well. Okay, we've got another question from Jake, and he says, with Sam Wood and Darnell leaving, yeah. uh, will one of the twins or both of them be first choice for the winger next season, or are you looking to recruit anybody for that position? Um, yeah, we, we wasn't. We was hopefully both the um, senior boys. Hopefully they'll be in contention for that spot. Like I say, we've offered them the contracts. If they turn, if they turn that down, then we'll have to look somewhere else potentially for that. But what we we could do, we know him probably quickly on that as well, else you end up missing out on on players. But at the moment, we've not gone down any tracks with anybody else because we believe that them guys were Huddersfield players um, and that they can be good Huddersfield players. We feel that there's more education needed for them. Um, but yeah, we want them to be with us. Okay. And any updates on Joe Wardle? Joe, um, Joe's um, obviously season again, um, just really unlucky with injuries as well. Um, we've had a little chat about Joe, but Joe's a little bit unsure about what, what he wants to do at this moment in time as well. He thinks um, he's got a couple more years left in him as well, but with the amount of injuries he's had, he doesn't. He, he wants to just have a take stock of a few things as well. 
um, and then and then go from there. He's he's been really good, um, really smart with with what he's doing as well and the way he's looking at. It. He's trying to set something up to to maybe follow in a career after rugby as well at the moment because I, I don't think he'd had that set up. But I think the injuries have ever helped him kind of focus with that as well, which I, I know the welfare officer at um, Huddersfield, Steve Ardester, he's helping him out with that at this moment in time. Right. And Jake also asks, uh, if, if you're signing some middles for next season, does that mean the likes of Greenwood and Jones could move back to the second row? And again, that would probably tie in with if, if, if Joe's not available, there'd be a spot available in the second row, would there? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I say, that, well, they're international class back rowers. Like I say, at the beginning of the year, the the middles wasn't available, but Jonesy had played international loose forward against Tonga um, for Great Britain. Joe Greenwood had played front row for England against New Zealand um, quite quite a few years back, um, but played it very well as well. And you can see by his, his performances, his last couple have probably been some of his better ones, Joe. It took his time to kind of get used to it being in the middle, but he's one of them players that will do the job for the team. But like we know, his biggest strength is playing out on an edge. And is, is that why you're looking? You're probably looking to get the best out of him in in, in the second row. Yeah, I, th- I think as we go forward, like I say, Joe can play middle and back row as well. So he'll, he'll do what um, jobs needed for the team. We've got obviously Josh Jones, um, Chris McQueen, obviously Owen Trout can play there. Young Sam Hewitt can play there. So we've got good options to be able to cover the back row. It, like I say, it was the middles which was the is always the most important. And like I say, Joe's um, he's done a good fist of it just recent, recently, to be fair. Right. And just a couple more players that we've had inquiries about. Chris McQueen, is, is he, he looking to, to tie him down a bit longer? Yeah, he's already, he's already contracted um, to us. Um, again, great player. Um, lo- loves playing the game. You can see it in him. You can see why he's played State of Origin. He's a competitor. He's exactly, exactly what you want in a player. His leadership in the last few weeks when the young lads have been playing has been outstanding. And the games that he didn't play, he was a big, big miss for us because he just gave all them young lads a little bit of a confidence and kind of assurance that he, he was behind them. I think if you look at the way Josh Jones looks after Oliver Russell, look at the way Chris McQueen looks after Will Price um, and he, probably the Wakefield game last time when, um, I think was it, Fafita, they kept putting Fafita on him and the right-back rowers kept getting involved, helping out, making sure that Will wasn't taking them contacts on his own. So, like I say, good guys and good people and, yeah, hopefully still here next year. He's contracted. Yeah, he's another one that's probably, most fans will agree, he's seven or eight out out of ten every week and he's consistent, you know, just turns up and does his job. Um, What about the two guys from Leeds, Pete's and Petra? What's, What's the situation with those? Yeah, outstanding signings for us. Been absolutely brilliant in terms of everything what we asked for them, um, especially like the leadership and that little bit of experience that we needed. Um, we have a quota spot left um, at this moment in time for next year. Now, obviously, with quota players, that's always the big thing. It's salary cap and quota spot. Um, at the moment, we definitely have one um, quota spot. Um, I don't know whether one more will open up. We'll, we'll, we'll see on the back of that one. Um, but it'll all come down to that and probably down to salary cap. Would we like to keep them? Yeah. Uh, question for you. If you could keep only one of them, which one would you keep? Oh, uh, <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I don't I'm like putting you on the spot or out, but... Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not going to answer that one. 
I, I, I like, it's like you said, um, like we said before, about seven or eight out of 10 every week. That's what them two have been. Them two have been that. I think probably everybody looks forward to, to Nate coming off the bench and he, he kind of sparks it up, doesn't he, with um, the way he carries the ball and the way he plays the game. It, he's really sparked um, the energy up coming off the bench. And Pizzi, again, um, like I say, I've said it before, he's one of the best nines I've had the opportunity to work with. And there's been some good nines in and amongst all that. Um, but you can see again why he's played state of origin. So it, it'd be really, really hard. I'd you'd love to kind of keep them both in there. Um, you wish they were both British and then it'd be dead easy <laughs> to kind of keep them in. But at the moment, like I say, it's a tough, tough world when you've got salary cap and quota spots. Yeah, yeah. Well, like you said, Tom friends on that one then. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about the players that are leaving? Can you tell us anything about the players? I mean, obviously, we we all know rumours. There's been nothing officially announced by our club yet. Um, can you shed any light on players that are leaving? Yeah, obviously, um, I think Sam, Sam Wood, I think, is probably one of the biggest losses, I think, for, for me. Um, again, salary cap. Salary cap comes down to it. Um, okay, I've made him a good offer. I spoke... Somebody who wants to learn and get better. Um, I think I think nobody probably could question Sam Wood, kind of his commitment to Huddersfield and what he does um, on and off the field, to be fair, for Huddersfield. He absolutely loves it, but he's seen that there's obviously an, an opportunity somewhere else, which will probably help him grow. Hopefully, again, we can probably get him back at some point because I've, I've loved working with him, to be honest with you. Um, but it is what it is. Um, Dan's is obviously... We, we, we know of um, going to Hull. Um, Lee Gaskell um, had a really good offer off uh, Wakefield. We were speaking to him, but he had a really, really good offer. A three, I think it's a three-year deal he had um, off Wakefield, and he felt that was the, the best for him and his family at, at this moment in time. So he's took that, um, which, again, it, it's, sometimes play, players make the decisions Um for themselves and what's best for the family and you can't knock them from that and Gasky was pretty upfront with it all the time and let us know what was kind of going on there um, and like I say he's, he's got a good deal going there um, so kind of best of luck to him and then obviously there's um, I think we, we all know about where Seas is going I think we all know about Kenny um, oh obviously James Gavey left us obviously through the season Um trying to think if there's anybody else who I've missed. Is there anybody else I've missed? I'm not sure. I can't, I can't think. I'm sure they'll, they'll tell us out. Yeah. <laughs> what's, um, just, you mentioned Kenny Edwards. What's what's the club's relationship with, with Caesar and Edwards? I mean, are they still part of the club or have, have, you, have you kind of... Um, how could I put this diplomatically? Um, have you have you sort of asked them to take a backward step, sort of thing? Yep, yeah, yeah, I have. Um, there, there's no hiding behind that. Um, it's about focusing. Just sorry, one minute. Um, it's just about focusing on what what we've got. Obviously, Aiden's got a season-ending injury, um, and he's not going to be with us next year. He's going to be going obviously to Leeds. So we we want to give. Aiden, all the rehab and training facilities that he needs, he just does that at a different time to us because, like I say, he's not going to be part of Huddersfield um, next year. So 
it was only right to kind of separate him. Again, Kenny Adam, a huge ban um, to the consequences of, of his actions on the back end of that. So Kenny, again, he's having um, an operation um, September. Yeah, so it's early September. He's having an operation. So his 10-match ban was going to be up and then he was having an operation, um, which obviously puts him out for the rest of the season as well. And then Darnell, Achilles had gone as well. So they get, they're getting everything that they need to get at this moment. In time. They're, just, they're not um, in any of our team meetings or any of our team talks or anything like that at the moment because the, I just felt we didn't need any distractions for people that weren't going to be with us next year. If we're trying to build something going forward, we want everybody on kind of the same page and we didn't need a distraction like that as well. But like I say, the, the down at the club, the welcome down at the club, um, there's there's no issues with them. I spoke with Kenny over the um, on the phone probably about a week ago now where we had a good chat about a few things as well. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's no dramas. It just it, It's just one of them things where, unfortunately, they're not going to be with us next year. So we, we move on. Yeah, I've got a question from Amy and uh, she's basically asking the players that are leaving at the end of the season, did you want any of them to stay? Was, you know, presumably with, with the out of your hands kind of thing? I, th I think they all kind of get taken out of your hands once it becomes um, salary cap issues and stuff like that. But like I say, I think probably the, the biggest one for me is Sam Wood. I, re I really would have liked to have kept Sam Wood. I just think he would have been, I just think he'll get better and better. Um, to be fair, I totally understand why Gaskis took the deal that he's took. Uh, Darnell was was up front and said why he wanted to move. He'd been looking for a move for a while. Um, and then, obviously, he's been given a move which he feels is going to help him grow, not only on the field, but off the field. Um, and again, he's explained them reasons to us, which, again, he that's that's between, obviously, myself and Dan's that. Um, but yeah, I'd say the, the biggest one of them all was was probably Woody, mate. To be honest, right. And where would you say his best position was? Because I mean, he, he's he's pretty consistent in every position, isn't he? Where, where would yeah. he where would he play? I, I think he can do a job in every, everywhere across the park, except in the middle. I told him he can't play in the middle because I watched him play there last year, and he blows out pretty quickly after about five minutes. So yeah, we won't be putting him in the middle, but everywhere else, back row, half back, centre, wing. It, full, it was even at fullback at one time at weekend when Oli Ashall um, was struggling. So, yeah, he can play everywhere. I reckon he'll probably develop, I think, into a, a centre or back row. I think that's where his best position will be. He's kind of followed a, a similar path to, to Jake Bibber uh, when we had at Salford. He's followed that path. Jake Bibber was going in between wing, centre and back row. And I think he'll end up probably potentially being in a back row as well as he goes further down his career. Um, but yeah, Sam Wood, I reckon he'll probably end up in there. Okay. We've got another question from Simon. Um, and it says, was you were made aware by the board before you started the job that we had players that weren't right for the club and holding us back? Or was this something you found out quickly when you took the job? I know you, you said yeah. earlier, you, you know, there were some issues there that you, you didn't quite know about. Yeah, the, I think the people close to the playing group knew there was issues. Um, but like I say, we don't, you don't really speak to them when you're coming towards a new club. As far as the club were concerned, um, yeah, that, that, it, what, that, yeah, probably wasn't, wasn't related in terms of that. You look from the outside and I'm looking at the squad from where I was sat last year and I'm thinking we, we can do something good with this squad. And to be fair, for the, 
And to be fair, the way you look at as individual players, this should be the mentality of him that they want to be a top four team. Now, having, having the ability and actually having the drive and the desire to be that are two completely different things. Um, and and that's, that's what I found. Um, you, you come in and you have a way that you kind of believe that you know our top team trains and prepares and you see it, it you, you, and you look at it in, ter- in terms of certain individuals or the way they go about things. So you look at you look at Luke Yates and the way he prepares to a game, and then you go through, you watch some of the Huddersfield players when you come in, and it was quite astounding how they didn't prepare like that, or there wasn't many of them. That was a reason why I went and got Jack Cogger as well from Australia, because his nickname's Business in Australia, because he's very thorough in everything that he does understands the game, prepares the right way, tries to lead the environment that way as well. So it's good for them young players. The leadership needed to be better um, and, and will be better going forward. And again, the identity of the club wasn't in the first team. So like I say, Leroy and Bruno should be should be more or less the face of the, the team. But you only know that once you come in. So yeah, we, we found out as we went through pre-season, you always have a little bit of a honeymoon period where the first four weeks people can just, yeah, do the right things, get through. But then as it starts to materialise and you're getting closer to the season and then when the season starts, that's when you really see people's characters. I, I know what characters I want. I want people who are committed, who compete um, and who work hard for each other. So it's all about the team first. I'm not about egos um, and I'm, I'm not about people thinking they're above the team. Um, and that's that's kind of how I've I've run by everything, and that's what I will stand by. I want the team to be the most important thing. Right. And would you say that there was some egos in that dressing room that obviously didn't fit in with? I mean, you you said earlier, and and obviously you you say it a lot about your processes and things like that. Do you feel now you're getting them processes into the into the squad without certain disruptive influences? Yeah. Yeah. I would. I'll, I'm, dead, I'm dead honest. I'll always be honest when people ask ask me a question. I'm as honest as I, I can be on, on them. But yeah, um, I remember watching a, a documentary on Gerard Houllier, and he was saying the first time he went to Liverpool, he, he faced a resistance to the way that he wanted to train, the way that he wanted to play, the way that he wanted to educate people and change the way they were as a professional to be better, and they didn't want to be better. And it was basically that he felt like there was players there who were trying to basically get him sacked at that moment. I know I wouldn't go as far as kind of that, but when you go to a new place, you don't know, like you say, you don't, people don't know you and you don't know them. And what you've got to do is kind of build them relationships up. And it always takes time to do that. Um, and that, that's what we found at um, Huddersfield. It's, it's all good people saying that they want to do something, but you've got to make the choice to do it. You have to make the choice to do it or you're not good enough. And the the big one with me, and I said it to the group at the, fit, at the start of the season, I don't believe in wasting my time and I don't believe in wasting their time. And if they don't want to win a competition, then don't don't be here. It's pointless being here. Our mentality has got to be that we want to win a competition. Um, and that's that's what we'll, we'll try and do um, to the best of our ability. This year, like I say, did I think it would go better? Yeah. Um, from the outset, looking from the inside, but once I'm now in, 
now I'm in a really comfortable position now in terms of I'm confident where the group's going to go um, and what, what we're going to do and what we're going to achieve together. Will there be cups along the way? They, they will for definite, um, but it's how we ride through that adversity. But if you've got the right types of character in your changing room and in your group, that'll, that'll make up for a hell of a lot of it. And it'll mean that you, you won't be losing six, seven on the bounce. Um, you'll, you'll bounce back pretty quickly because that's what winners demand. Yeah, so I mean, there's three games left of the season. So, what what are your hopes now for the season? Just is it is it just to carry on doing what we've been doing for the last few weeks and carry on instilling those processes into the into the team and everything like that? Yeah, it's, it's keep learning and keep getting better. The mentality is to win every game. Is to to win. It doesn't matter what team we put out. We still want to go and compete and win for every game. What it isn't, it isn't a shut up shop and. It's the end of the season and let's just cruise through to it. I've made that perfectly clear to the group. If we want to be a team going forward, these games, every game matters. It doesn't matter whether the season's over, whether you can make playoffs or whether you're in the semi-final of it, every game matters for us. And every game's a, a learning opportunity. So my mentality will be to keep, obviously, bedding in our processes to make us better going forward, but to also develop the younger lads as well. Um, I don't always look at the result. It's more around the performance and if things are getting better or they're improving on certain things individually. It's like, Will, I spoke to Will the other week um, and, and I said to him about certain things in the game that he just needed to learn from and been better in the Warrington game. And it probably would have been quite easy to take him out of the team for a bit and give him a little bit of a rest with the amount of games he played. But I just said to him, I said, I've no intention of taking you out. I want you to learn and I want you to learn while you're playing. So the result will take care of itself. You just worry about your own kind of performance on the back end of that. And this week, he had a blinding game along with Oliver as well. So it, it obviously it, it becomes the right decision on the back end of that. And it's easier to keep educating and helping them when they're winning. Because when, when the losses start to come, then... They, they'll start to question things in about themselves and about what they're kind of doing as well. So it's good for them to get a win. So our mentality is to win the next three games, finish the season really, really strongly, see where it takes us and help us on our path to where we want to go. Yeah. If I can just touch um, back on the young players again, Ian, um, Matt's asked a question. Um, given that you mentioned earlier about players take 50 so league games to learn the yeah. position. How pleased are you with the likes of English and Wilson, given that they're still young lads and, and they're learning the game as well? Usually, usually. People don't always see it from the outside. And like I said, I've mentioned the young kids at Wigan and I thought they were quite harsh on Sky the other day for really having a kind of go at Wigan. And I know they've got some quality players of like Zach Hardacre and Jackson Hastings, Oliver Gilda, all that around. But when the pack's that young, it takes, like I say, it takes them time to learn to be able to handle playing at that level or whether you can do. So what Oliver Wilson's done this year and Trouty and Matty English and all them guys has been really, really good for their kind of development. Um, you, you look at some of the games and a couple of the things that we're talking to Oliver Wilson at, and he's been caught in a few of the games which have led to tries, but the only way he's going to fix them up is by playing, is by playing the games. But what we have to do is we have to educate him and teach him so he understands how to deal with that situation. You can't just tell him he's no good and um, throw him to the side. Um, if, if you do that, he's never, ever going to get any better. And Huddersfield's never going to get any better then as well, because at some point, them young lads will, will need to play. 
So they need to be as prepared as they possibly can do. So what they've done, like I say, I can't speak highly enough of um, all the young lads that have come in. I think they've been phenomenal and the amount of games that they've done as well. And some of the teams they've played against, you look at Wakefield's pack the other week, and that was more or less close to their full strength team as you could go for Fita, Green, Westerman. And our young middles stood up to them and handled them. And I know we had Yatesy out there who kind of always carries the fight to us as well, which gives them young lads the confidence. But they've done great. They've done really good. Yeah. Do you think there's too much pressure on, on some of the academy lads? Peter's asked the question. Is, is, is too much pressure, do you think, on, on the young lads? Yeah, to, to just come up in, come up um, into a first team and be ready to play. It is because most people will remember the reserves from years back. And that's why I like the reserves, because you play against men. When you're an academy kid and you're 18 years of old and all you've been doing is playing against kids all your career, to step up and play against a Fafita, a Pauli Pauli, a Westerman, people like them, that, that's a different level that. You've got to be conditioned to do that. And like I say, probably takes around about 50 games for you to start understanding your own body and, and how to handle them kind of um, situations that you get put in as well. So it is, a lot of players just say, the young lads and, right, yeah, get them out there and they should be able to go and compete. But it's not. When you've got an 125 kilogram bloke coming running at you and you've been tackling 80 kilograms or 70 kilograms for all your career, that's a different, different level, that. Yeah, it is, yeah. Rod's had his hand up, so I'll just, uh, I'll just on me up. Um, Rod, and then he can ask you a question. Okay. Go on, Rod. Fire away. Where is it? He's on. He's on mute. You're on mute, Rod. Rod, unmute yourself. The mute button. Is that better? That's yeah. it. Yeah. Fire away. Yeah. Uh, you better. You better unmute <laughs> with me. You know what? Watching uh, recently, Holly Ashelbolt. To me, he looks a natural stand-up. What's your views on that? Yeah, he's, he's, he's quick off the mark. He's a decent tackler. Um, he, he can wriggle out of tackles. He sees the spaces and everything. Uh, and, and you know, rather than pull back, he looks more like a stand-up to me. But but you know, I just wonder what your views were. Yeah, he's he's actually run there a couple of times in training. Um, the the biggest one where he's most comfortable is at fullback because that's where he's always been taught as a young kid at Widnes Academy. And kind of coming through, he's always been taught there. So he feels really comfortable then. When we've put him at six in training, the biggest thing he's felt is really isolated defensively um, in the line because it's a completely different mentality. Now, if you remember the Wigan away game, we actually defended him as a six there and he actually did all right. But it's again, it's the, it's the game education and the game management and that composure that's probably different a little bit with um, Ollie at this moment in time. Again, again, it might come as he gets older. Darren Lockyer was a fullback at first and then moved into the sixth role. Um, it's, it's when everyone kind of starts to develop. But yeah, he's got all the skills. If you look at the one and the six these days, there's not too much um, difference in them, um, in what kind of the, their abilities they're having, the way that most teams play, to be fair. They can all interlink as well. So... There's probably no problem that he actually probably could play in at the six, but I know his most comfortable position is is in one. Right. Uh, cheers, Rod, for that. Uh, just one final question, Ian, before we wrap it up. Um, yeah. So what would your message be to the fans who were maybe questioning what you're doing? And, and obviously, you know, there was a lot of expectation on us at the start of the season. A lot of it we brought on ourselves, admittedly, but 
No, to those fans that were questioning, it's you know that we're not up there competing or it's not gone the way they thought. What you know? What's your message to them? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm as disappointed as as anybody with that because, like I said, looking from the outside in, um, and and this is something that I spoke to a couple of people at before. You look at it and everyone spoke really highly and probably got carried away with that at the beginning of the season that, oh, yeah, we've got a squad here. But like I say, you don't know that's them types of people until you actually come into the squad. So looking from the outside, I'm thinking, yeah, even with them lack of middles, we can get to the top end here and we can really compete and compete hard. But obviously, situations arise as they come through and you've got to learn from them. And then sometimes you've got to be brave that you've got to make tough decisions for the better of the club. You can't just keep papering over cracks. Um, and that's probably something that I decided to do with, with the club is that I wanted to make sure that it's going to be in a good place going forward. It's not about me or it's not about the individual players. It's about the Huddersfield and the Huddersfield club being a good club um, and a club that competes at the top end of the table. So, yeah, you could, I could have quite sat, sat there and papered over things, but that, that's not in my nature to, to do that. I want to make I want to make a club. I want to create a legacy at Huddersfield, like I've said before. With people questioning and challenging, that I, I don't go on social media. Um, that's not an interest to me. I, I know I know what I want to do. I know where I want to go and what we want to achieve. Um, and that's all I'll put my efforts in. I'm not worried about people questioning it or challenging it. That's up to them. Everyone has an opinion, and that's fine for them to have an opinion. I know what's going on on the inside and I know where I want to take the club and my mentality is always, I will get there. Um, so hopefully, yeah, hopefully it, it comes forward. And like I say, next year we finish, oh, well, if we finish this year off well first um, and then hopefully next year is miles better um, this year. And I, I believe it will be because of the quality of people. It's not just about the player. It's about the quality of people to create a team and like I say, the guys at the moment, and even though some of them are so young, they're playing as a team and they're playing for each other. And it makes such a difference when players are playing like that and they're playing for each other that your club will grow on the back of the back of that. Um, so, yeah, um, like I say, a, a message for them. My, my focus is on creating a, creating a legacy for Huddersfield. Um, I, I don't get wrapped up in praise and I don't get wrapped up in negative comments because... I like I say, I stay away from that. Right, so in, in, in effect, short-term gain for short-term pain for long-term gain then? Yeah, and, and I never wanted to have that short-term pain. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I wanted us to come and compete straight away, but it, it's not been to be. But I do know, um, like I faced this before a few times at Salford, probably about two or three times where I've had to rebuild the team and, going to a different place and we, we've, we've, we've done it before um, and I have the confidence in the way that we do things that we will get there. Right. And, the, and it's magic weekend this weekend. Um, yep. Is there any added pressure on you knowing that you're going to be coaching the team with the best record to try and keep that record up? Imagine? <laughs> I, I didn't know that. <laughs> you do now. <laughs> well, hopefully that's a good omen for us then and then we, we get the win against Wakefield. Uh, but yeah, because... <laughs> Without um, cursing anything, I think um, we've had a we've had a decent run at uh, Magic as well um, over the years. I know we lost the we lost the last one um, closely to Hull KR. So hopefully, if Huddersfield's got the a great record there, we can go there, get the win, and make everyone happy because it 
it'll be good just to, to get back in there and have all the teams playing in one place, all the crowds in there. I think it's probably what some everyone's been crying out for this year on the, the amount of disruption that we faced. Yeah. Right, so we'll wrap that up. Um, I just want to say thank you to Ian for giving your time up and thank you for everyone to join for joining us. Uh, we've got a few messages, obviously, just to say thank you and, and good luck for the rest of the season. And, you know, hopefully we get them three wins and we move on to next season we can have a little bit more to cheer about. So thanks to everyone for coming and thanks for Ian. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our chat and please check out our next episode and find out what the Huddersfield Giants Supporters Association are about on our social media channels.